Man, when Britt says that it was a joy to send us out, all we can say is it was an absolute joy to be sent out by this church. And if I can just brag about Reality Carpinteria, people often ask about the church and about just the church plant and the prayer and, and the support. And people stand there amazed as I'm just telling them, oh yeah, these people, they loved us, they prayed for us, and they're like, really? And it's just a testimony of what the Lord's doing in this church body. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. It's just such a pleasure to be sent out by such a loving body. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm so thankful that the Lord has led Brit and the leadership here to go through this wonderful chapter in the Bible. It is perhaps one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's often been called the Great Hall of Faith. And we read about these amazing things done through ordinary people. So let's pray right now and let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us tonight that our hearts would be open, that we would have ears to hear what God would say to us specifically individually and corporately tonight. Father, we do ask for moldable, shapeable hearts, Lord, that we would be teachable tonight as we read these few verses. Lord, we are asking that you would move in our hearts and that you would encourage us, that you would exhort us. Lord, would you make us more like Jesus tonight? Please do that, God. We are begging you, Holy Spirit, to do a work in our midst. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's read Hebrews 11, verse 4 and 5. I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. It's very interesting to me that as we begin looking through this category of these great people that serve God, that we begin with two Very simple stories. Abel made a sacrifice. Enoch walked with God. Because you know later, if you're familiar with this chapter, we hear about stopping the mouths of lions and and pulling down the walls of Jericho and all these amazing, wonderful things. But I love that it begins with these two simple statements about two simple people. So let's begin by looking at Abel, it says in verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. So the first example of faith we find here is that of a sacrifice. It is that of a sacrifice. In fact, that's one of the main themes of the book of Hebrews. If you've read through it, you know that the author is often making reference to the importance of the great sacrifice of Christ. And how the sacrifice of bulls and goats could could, could never even compare to the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
And so with this theme running throughout this book, the first example in this hall of faith is Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. But what was it? What was the quality that made Abel's sacrifice acceptable to God? What was this quality? Was it something that he did? Was it something about the sacrifice? Well, let's read. Turn with me to the first book of the Bible where we find this story. The book of Genesis. The book of Genesis chapter 4. And read with me the story of Cain and Abel. story that most of us are familiar with. Be reminded of the sacrifice that he and his brother made. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And so the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So it's an interesting story that we find here at the beginning of recorded scripture about the two sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And it's interesting that they made these sacrifices to the Lord, and we find some descriptive wording about each of their sacrifice. We see that Cain's sacrifice was an offering from the ground. We're not told that it was the first fruits of his harvest that he reaped. But look at what we're told in verse 4 about Abel's sacrifice. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. So we ask, what is the quality that made Abel's sacrifice acceptable to God? And some would venture to say, well, it's because It was an animal. It was the firstborn. It was the first fruits. And yes, there's there's a lot in that statement. It was the first fruit given to the Lord. It was an animal sacrifice, which all of us know would point toward that day when God would take on flesh and become the sacrificial lamb and would die on the cross for our sins. And so the whole sacrificial system points to the Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, there is a picture of our Lord in this animal sacrifice. But there was another quality that we find in Hebrews, and this is the ingredient that made Abel's sacrifice acceptable to the Lord. And we're told that it was a sacrifice given by faith. It was given by faith. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 11. It was given by faith. Abel knew that a sacrifice would not be pleasing to God if he did not offer himself with it. To have faith in God is something that goes so much deeper than a physical action 
Or we might say a religious action. It's not simply doing an act that is pleasing to God. God wants so much more than that, doesn't He? He wants the heart, amen. He wants the mind, He wants the body, He wants the soul, He wants the strength of the man. He wants all of the man. If you study about some Greek literature during this time, it's interesting that the word heart really represented the very core of the human being. It was the very seat of their nature and their personality and everything that person was. It wasn't just referring to the physical heart of the person, but it was the very seat of that person. And this is what God wants. God wants the heart. He wants the entire person. He doesn't want just a slice of the pie. Unfortunately, it seems that's the way our society thinks about God these days. Is that God is simply just another slice of the pie. We cut out, you know, 40% for job and, and this percent for family. And oh, put a little slice in there for the Lord Jesus. And hey, I'm all good, right? A little Sunday morning action and everything is okay. God wants the heart. He wants the entirety of the man. And when Abel offered this sacrifice, he offered it by faith from his heart. He offered it saying, you know what, God? I am offering this by faith to you because it involved his whole person. I've heard some translations of the word faith translated as this, yielding to persuasion, yielding to persuasion. That God has given us evidence. God has spoken to us. And what we are to do is to yield to Him. And yield to His commandment. Respond to Him. And so we say, hey, we're going to step out in faith. Or by faith, I accept Christ. When those of us in this room who have accepted Christ, when whatever day that was, when the Gospel was presented to you, and you said, yes, I believe that, I accept it by faith. You were saying, yes, this is true. I believe, Lord, that You did this, and I am now surrendering my life to You. I'm accepting Your forgiveness by faith. I am giving You my life. I'm giving You my heart. And that is what the Lord wants, because faith involves our hearts. And indeed, He wants that. He doesn't want religiosity, as I've heard it mentioned a lot in this church. And I love the fact that we're reminded of that. Because isn't it so easy to fall into that? Isn't it so easy to just fall into a religious lifestyle? Even myself as a pastor of a church, I find myself falling into all kinds of religious routines. Thinking that God will simply be so stoked that that I'm doing it for face value but He wants my heart. I'm like, but Lord, I've read your Scripture for hours this morning. Are you not pleased? And He's like, Tim, you're my child. I love you. I I want your heart. I don't want this, you know, this, this religious act. Jesus spoke to the disciples of the Pharisees saying that they pray to God with vain repetition for they think that with their many words they will be heard by God. You know, all right, Lord? Wednesday morning, I've got a good prayer for you. All right, ready? Here we go. Lord, and then then we go on thinking that God's like, yes, yes, keep it coming. Oh, that was a good point. I love that point. Come on, give it to me. When really, 
God wants our heart. He wants us to come to Him by faith, saying, Father, I am coming to You with all that I am. I'm coming to You with my whole person. Here is my heart, the very seat of, my, of, of, of who I am. And I am now surrendering it to You. Faith involves the heart. So we're told that by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. He obtained a witness of God that he was righteous. Again, what was this quality in this sacrifice that made him righteous? It was because he presented it in what? Faith. Simple faith. He presented this sacrifice in faith, and in doing so, he obtained a righteous witness. Now, this is the main thrust of a majority of the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings. In his theology, in biblical theology, faith in God equals righteousness to man. Faith not in our works, faith not in our, our, what we can do to please God, but faith in Him, faith in him, His righteousness. And as a result, it's accounted to us for righteousness. In fact, we're told of Abraham in Paul's epistle, Romans 4, 3, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And a famous verse, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That is the gospel message. Isn't that wonderful? That we don't have to climb the religious ladder to God? Not a day goes by, especially in the last few weeks as, as we've kind of gone out on the streets in L.A. several times and, and just sharing with people. I am so thankful that I don't have this message where I tell people, hey, bro, you are so low on the religious ladder, you've got a long way to go. So give me your money and let's start and we'll work something out to where maybe in a couple years God might be pleased with you. I am so glad that that is not the gospel message because I would not be standing here before you today and I doubt any of you would be at church. We cannot earn the favor of God. We can't earn it. We cannot earn salvation. It's simply a free gift accessed by faith. By simply acknowledging, putting our trust in, believing in God's righteousness. And as a result we are seen as perfectly righteous because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, His Son. That's the gospel. That's the message that we present. And it's such a wonderful thing to, to go out and, and to be a Christian, no matter what your job is, how old or how young you are. That's the gospel. That is the message that you go forth with in your community. Hey, I've been saved by grace. I was a wretched sinner. God saved me and God loves you. And he died on the cross for your sins and he wants to save you. What a beautiful gospel message we have. He obtained a righteous witness because he offered his sacrifice by faith. If look at the end of verse 4. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. He being dead still speaks. So even from the beginning of recorded scripture, that chapter in Genesis 4, 
we have this testimony of righteousness through faith and not of works. By faith, he had a good testimony. The testimony of one's actions as a result of faith in life can speak volumes. It can speak volumes. I love to read biographies. Ultimately, I love to, to read the scriptures and, and read about men and women that have, that have served the Lord throughout the centuries. And I love to read you know, stories of men and women that just stepped out in faith and they were well-pleasing to God. And even though they're no longer alive on this earth, their testimony still speaks. Look, tonight we're reading about Abel, who has been physically not on this earth for thousands of years. And yet we're learning from his testimony. And what did he do? What do we learn that he did? He simply offered a sacrifice to God by faith. That's what he did. It, was, it, it wasn't that he, he plundered this great city for God. It wasn't that he performed this amazing feat. He simply offered a sacrifice by faith. And today, you and I are sitting here in this room learning from that testimony. He being dead still speaks. And we should hold all men and women in such high esteem. Those of you that have gone through Philippians, I believe it was the previous home group session that you guys did through Philippians. And I love that passage in Philippians 2 where Paul speaks of that man Epaphroditus who for the work of Christ came close to death, not regarding his own life. And Paul tells us that we should hold such men in high esteem. And even though that person is is no longer here on the earth, we can learn from their testimony. We can learn from their testimony. So the question that I ask myself and that we must ask ourselves is what will be said of us when we breathe our last on this earth? I remember hearing one minister (laughs) at a big youth outreach once say, you know, tons of kids there, and he cried out, what will they say at your funeral? And all the kids were like, "Ah." (laughs) And I guarantee you that in those brief few seconds that many of those kids took stock in their lives going, what will they say at my funeral? What would be said of my life when I breathe my last? It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to perform all these great things, but were you a person that simply offered themselves as a sacrifice to God and was well-pleasing to God? That simple testimony of walking by faith speaks volumes. But even though we're still here alive on the earth, we can, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We, being alive, can die to ourselves, and through that death, God can speak through us. We can have that living testimony, so to speak. We can be men and women who are not living for the desires of the flesh. We're not living after the world. We are living a life of faith in Christ. Paul would say, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified. I've been crucified to this world. And it's simply a matter of us, men, women, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice by faith to God. 
And our flesh being dead, our bodies being dead, so to speak, will now speak to this world. Because when we live a life of faith in God, the message that we are proclaiming to this world is this. We are not living for the things of this world. We are not living for what this world has to offer. We are living for the Lord Jesus Christ, whose kingdom is not of this world. Amen? We are living for the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And as we live out that life by dying to the flesh daily through the life of the Spirit, God speaks. God wants to speak through this church. God wants to speak through you individually. God wants to speak through me. As I die to myself, as I present myself by faith as a living sacrifice, and I live and walk in the life of the Spirit. Before we attempt great things for God, we must first offer ourselves to God. Because we're going to read about great and amazing, wonderful feats that are accomplished by faith. But first things first, we offer ourselves a living sacrifice by faith. Before we step out, before we do all these wonderful things, we need to offer ourselves to God. And let me tell you tonight that that is one of my biggest personal struggles. I like to do a lot of stuff for God. I love it. I love to be on the go. I love to be doing things and stepping out in, in faith and whatnot. You know, I love to see how God moves like that. But so often the Lord has to gently yet powerfully rebuke me and say, Tim, please, don't forget about presenting your heart to me on that daily, minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis. Isn't it something that's so easy to lose sight of? It's so simple that we forget it. It's so easy to get busy. And yet, all God is saying is, hey, first, come to me. It's interesting that in Mark chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but when Jesus called out his disciples, he first desired that they would be with him, and then they might go out to preach. He desired that they would first be with Jesus and then they would go out to preach. A few weeks ago, we were at the pastor's conference and our wonderful pastor, Britt Merrick, was there sharing a devotion. And it was such a blessing to me because Britt, I know him, I love him, I've heard him teach so often, but it was so neat to hear God speaking through him to me on that day about not putting the ministry before God but keeping our, our lives, our arms full of the Lord Jesus Christ before the demands of the day, before the ministry, before all these great works that He has for us. First things first, to just love the Lord. Love the Lord. He desires intimacy with us. Before we do all these great things for God, we must not forget to offer ourselves to God. A living sacrifice. It's something easy to say, Something very difficult to do because our flesh gets in the way. That's why we must crucify it. (laughs) Crucify the flesh. Amen. (laughs) We must offer ourselves a living sacrifice to God. So it is interesting that the first example we find here in the Hall of Faith is a simple sacrifice made by Abel by faith and God was well pleased and through it he obtained a testimony and him being dead still speaks. 
But then we see another interesting man who I like to call the mystery man of the Bible. He's only mentioned several times. Let's read verse 5. It says, By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We're told by faith, Enoch was taken away. He was snatched up is the word there. And there's only two instances in the Old Testament where we find this word used in the context of a person being snatched up. The first is Enoch. The second is the prophet Elijah. So turn with me and let's read just a few verses about this man, Enoch, in Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Just several short little verses about this man. Genesis 5, verse 21. It says, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God And he was not, for God took him. Or God snatched him up. He took him. And we're told in Hebrews that he did not see physical death. Some scholars speculate as to what that means, but we're told clearly and specifically in Hebrews that he did not see a physical death. God took him. God snatched him up. And we're told that this was done by faith. By faith, we're told in Hebrews 5, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Right away in the life of Enoch, we see that faith was the foundation for his life. And we see that this faith is different than a simple intellectual acknowledgement of God's existence. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about faith. We're talking about relationship because we are told that Enoch walked with God. It wasn't simply, oh, I believe there's a God. That's not what we're talking about. It is a life of faith that walked with God. That he believed in God. And notice that it says in our text back in Hebrews 11.5, it says, before he was taken, he had a good testimony. He had a good testimony. Just like Abel, he had a good testimony. Why? Because he lived his life as a life of faith. But what did he do? Did he offer a sacrifice? No. What, is, what does the story in Genesis tell us? He walked with God. Wait a minute. No, no lions, no swords, no, no, no huge fortresses, nothing like that? He walked with God. By faith, he walked with God. Oftentimes, that simple father-son relationship that we find through Jesus Christ as a Christian of simply enjoying fellowship and enjoying communion with with Him is so often put off. And it's put on the back burner. But yet we're told that Enoch obtained a good testimony because by faith he walked with God. He simply lived his life in a very intimate place with God. And I love the word that is used. He walked with God. That is that he went through the good times. He went through the bad times. And he simply walked with God. 
We're also told something else that's very interesting about this man Enoch. And I'll just read it to you. It's found in the book of Jude. We're told something else about during this time that he walked with God. It says in Jude, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, speaking of false teachers, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Wow, what a very radical word of the Lord that God gave to Enoch. So not only did he walk with God, but we learned that he was a prophet. And he spoke this very intense word of God to these false teachers, these people that crept in. So here's the two things we know about him. He walked with God by faith, and he also prophesied. And I love that we're not given any more detail into his life. Because it's, it's so simple what he did, and yet he received a good testimony. I think of many great men and women in my life where all I could really say about them is that they, they walked with God and they prophesied. Growing up in a Christian home, though not walking with God, there was several people who God brought into my life through that small church in Northern California who I really didn't know much else about their lives except these people walked with God. You know, they're, they're just those, those older, mature Christians that, man, you got around them, you're like, whoa, this person knows God. <laughs> and I would always get scared because I knew that they were going to know everything about all the sin that I was doing. And so I would deliberately avoid them. I'd be like, oh, coming to church, being a good person. Whoa, oh my gosh. She's going to know everything about me. I'm speaking of a person in particular who I won't mention. And... That person simply walked with God, but they also prophesied. And they would just come up to me with, with a word from the Lord. You say, you know what, Tim? And fill in the blank, depending on what Sunday it was. And they would just have a word of the Lord for me. And I have not seen of them, and one in particular went home to be with the Lord. And you know what I could say of that person? They walked with God, and they prophesied. They walked with God. I could see that. It was so evident by their life, I could bear witness even as a heathen saying, this person walks with God. And that was the reputation that Enoch had. He was an ordinary, average, everyday man. We're told that he had a family. We're told that he begot sons and daughters and, and he probably worked the ground and, and he lived a quote-unquote average life. But yet he's written in the hall of faith here. Why? Because he walked with God and he prophesied. And that is so encouraging to me because it shows that God wants to use just ordinary people to be heroes of the faith. Ordinary people like me and like you to be heroes of the faith. Some, I'm sure, get discouraged thinking, well, I don't go to these foreign countries or I don't get these kind of opportunities. Uh, perhaps you're a mother at home with all these children running crazy and you're like, oh, I can't do all this other stuff my husband gets to do or my friends get to do. But you know what? In God's eyes, if you're simply walking a life of faith, you are a hero in His eyes. You are a hero of the faith. Amen. I think of my lovely, beautiful, wonderful wife who I know at times gets discouraged that, you know, being at home with our child, who is slightly um, 
a handful, to say the least, it's easy to get discouraged, and I could totally relate with that. And me, I get to do all this cool, fun stuff like ministry and all these things. And I know sometimes discouragement will creep in. But I know that in God's eyes that she is a hero. She is, she is shepherding that, that little girl and she's praying for me. And she really is probably the glue of our marriage. Her and the Holy Spirit, that's the glue of our, of our family. And I'm so thankful for her. And I'm so thankful for the men and women that God uses in such a, an unshowy way. Because those are the people that, that God sees as heroes of the faith. And so let none of us allow discouragement to creep in thinking, oh, well, I can't do these things. Or, or the circumstances that God has, has put me in, I, I can't do all these amazing, wonderful things. But you know what? You can simply walk by faith and walk with God. Walk with God. And you will have that testimony you will have that testimony. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom or you think you have a boring job or, or, or whatever. If you walk with God by faith, you will have a good testimony that you are well-pleasing to God. And people see that. People see that. You may never know it, but people see that. And I'm sure, and I know it's been said many times by many preachers and authors before, that when we get to heaven... The true heroes of the faith are going to be people that we didn't read about in these great books. The people that, you know, didn't get written up in these big Christian magazines. But simply these men and women who, who prayed and were faithful. There's one particular lady in our church down in L.A. that is just such a wonderful woman of God. And she is such an intercessor. And man, I look at her and I go, wow, she's a Christian. <laughs> All the rest of us were, were lame. She's a Christian. She simply just walks by faith. That you can just you just have that testimony. The Spirit bears witness. Man, this woman is interceding for this city. She's interceding for the church. What an incredible display of an ordinary hero, just walking by faith. Enoch had all these responsibilities, like most of you do. He had the family. He had the job. And yet here he is in the hall of faith, someone who walked with God and also prophesied. And as a result, we're told this, and this is such a wonderful fact, that he pleased God. Look at the end of Hebrews 11:5. It says, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Why? Because he performed all these great works for God? Because he performed all these amazing feats for God? Because he climbed the religious ladder? No. It was because of faith. Enoch walked by faith. And as a result, what happened? God was pleased. God was pleased. The author of Hebrews will go on to say in the next verse, and you will be looking at it next week with Pastor Sean, I believe. And it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So this is, this is the ingredient. It's faith. It's trusting in God. It's believing in God. Enoch walked with God and God was well pleased with him. This is what the life of faith is all about. Pleasing God. I like to think of the life of faith about all these amazing things you can do with the power of God. And sure, those are amazing things. And yes, God does want to do wonderful, amazing, awesome, powerful, miraculous things here in this community and in this church. 
But probably one of the most amazing things in his eyes is that you simply walk with God. And in that, he is well pleased. He is well pleased. That's what the life is all about. Some of us, I I think, might have a hard time with this, that it's so simple, that we walk by faith and we please God. Some of us maybe didn't have the best situation growing up. Oftentimes, you look at your own earthly father, and you think of how you had to live this life trying to please him or trying to please your, your parents or, or your peers or your guardians. And, and it was this religious act. You had to do all these things in, in order to gain his favor or gain their approval. Not so with the Lord. Not so. I believe that our flesh and the devil loves to bring that into the mind and heart of every Christian whispering in your ear saying, you know what, you can't please God. What are you doing here at church? You can't please God. You don't do anything for God. You do nothing. Isn't that a sentence that we're all familiar with? The other part of it is oftentimes I find myself saying, go, Satan, you're right. You're totally right. I might as well just give up. And that's exactly... What that voice is saying to me, just give up, just done, you're over with, you're done, stop it. I'm like, okay, Satan, you're right, I'm done, I quit. And the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, in such a miraculous and powerful way, reminds me, hey, Tim, you can never earn my favor because I give it to you for free. Amen. We clap because that is a amazing thought that is an amazing idea that god bestows his favor upon us for free he gives us salvation for free but we remember that it did come at a price but it was a price that we didn't have to pay it was a debt that we could never pay off and in looking at a person like Enoch and, and how it relates to our lives, we cannot allow these pictures of how we have to please the world and how we had to please our earthly fathers in order to gain their favor. We cannot allow these things to enter in to our view of God. We must have a biblical view of God. And here it is. By faith, Enoch walked with God and God was well pleased in him. God was pleased in Enoch because he lived the life of faith. It's interesting looking at these two examples, Abel and Enoch, we see here kind of a picture of how somebody becomes a Christian and is, an, is ultimately glorified. We see that Abel comes to God with a sacrifice made by faith. That is how someone becomes a Christian. As we've mentioned many times, you can't earn it. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. And by accepting that by faith, we enter into salvation. But we see with Enoch, we see the life of sanctification and ultimately glorification. He walks with God and then he's snatched away. God took him. Maybe some of us, if the Lord tarries, will see that day when God will come and he will snatch up his church. He will catch up his church. And that thing called the rapture, which I know is taught many times in this church, wonderfully, by our lovely pastor. <laughs> What a beautiful thing that would be. Some of us might not live to see that day and, and God will take us in a different way through physical death. But here we have a p- picture of salvation 
Past, present, future. Justification, sanctification, glorification. We accept His sacrifice by faith. We walk with God by faith. And by faith, we will be taken to Him. And what a simple view of Christianity. What a, what a simple picture we have in these two examples. That it's all about living a life of faith. Being well-pleasing to God. That's what it's all about. Oftentimes we, we quote these verses, especially as we enter into times of worship or, or prayer. We quote out of Hebrews where it says, Let us offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. But going through Hebrews, we learn that that sacrifice is to be one made by faith. Because I confess to you that I, at times I'll quote that verse and I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to give you a sacrifice of praise right now and then I'll sing the song. And the Lord's like, Tim, I want your heart. I want your heart. I don't want your mouth to just be saying these things and then you being like, I've got bills to pay at home. Or, or I've got this whole world, world of drama that I need to sort out. And I'm sitting going, I love you, Lord. Mm. Throwing some good mmms in there. That makes it really sincere. And the Lord says to me, Tim, please, the heart, give it to me. That's what I want. That's what I want. And when we give him our heart, when we walk by faith, he is well pleased. We're told in Colossians that as you have therefore received Christ, how do we receive Christ? By faith. Walk in him. Many of us would never deny we accepted Christ by faith. But many times we forget that we are to walk by faith. The, the daily routines of life. I mean, Enoch lived a long time. We're like, you know, I mean, I'm 27. I am a young man. And I think, oh, when is it going to end? <laughs> and some of you are like, boy, <laughs> you don't know anything about life. Enoch lived a long time. And isn't it awesome that we have the testimony that year after year after year, son and daughter, son and daughter, he beget many sons and daughters, that he walked with God and he was well-pleasing with God because he walked by faith. And so as we look forward to even the rest of this night, the, the rest of our week, the, the rest of our month, the rest of our years, whether it be here in, in these coastlands or somewhere else, whether it be uh, with a family, without a family, we must never forget these very simple things. Before we get to those great feats that we'll read about, these great men of God, the, these great people of God, that we have these two very simple lives of someone making a sacrifice by faith and someone walking with God by faith and being caught up by faith. May we never forget the simplicity of the Christian life. May we never forget the simplicity of living a life of faith. And even in times of worship, even in times of corporate gathering, where the Lord has called us to congregate together and, and and that He would knit our hearts together and that we would worship Him, that we would offer that sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, but that we would do it by faith, that He would be well-pleased in us individually and that He would be well-pleased in us as a congregation. I must say, as I was standing at the back, just worshiping the Lord, and I was looking out on all you wonderful people and just seeing people just worshiping the Lord and entering in, the thought just came in my mind, wow, Lord, You are so pleased in Your people. 
He rejoices over every single last one of you. May that thought be at the forefront of our minds that God right now at this very moment is rejoicing over you. Some of you feel condemned. Some of you feel discouraged. Please know tonight that God is rejoicing over you this very moment. He is well pleased in you. For the, for the person that's struggling and simply says, God, please, I, I, I need you. I need you now. I, I give you my life. Please cleanse me. Forgive me. God is well pleased. God is well pleased as we make that sacrifice of praise, but we make it by faith. May we become like little children tonight, not big intellectual adults trying to figure it all out, though yes, we should apply our intellect, of course, but when we try and and keep it in that arena and forget that our hearts are simply to just, as a little child, just reach out and say, Daddy, I believe that you're going to bring me through this. I believe that you're here with me now. I believe that you're going to walk me through this hard time. May we become as little children tonight, just seeing the kids worshiping. Lord, make us like that, where we're simply giving you the sacrifice of praise by faith, like Abel, knowing that God is well pleased. Father, we ask that you would do that work in our hearts, Lord, that you would remove any kind of religiosity, that you would remove any of these barriers that would keep us from that simple trust, that childlike faith in you from hindering us from simply walking with you and being well-pleasing in your eyes. Lord, may we learn by these two simple testimonies, making a sacrifice by faith, walking with you by faith, And being caught up by faith. Lord, may we learn from that tonight. Lord, we don't want to simply cry out to you just vocally and verbally. Lord, we want to give you our hearts. We want to give you the entirety of our our person. We want to give you everything, Lord. We want to surrender everything completely and entirely to you by faith. Lord, would you just move in our hearts and do that work? Would you cleanse us? Would you renew us? Would you transform our our lives tonight, Lord? We believe that you want to do that, Lord. And we are here together, praying together in one accord, asking you that you would make us like children and that we would simply stretch out our hand tonight and put our hand in your hand and say, God, I believe that you are well pleased because of what you have done for me, because the righteousness you bestowed upon me. We thank you for that, Lord. May that thought of you rejoicing over us, may that reality be at the forefront of our minds right now as we worship you, as we surrender our lives to you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We're so in love with you. We need you tonight, Lord. We need you.